0: From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins.
1: Welcome. Thanks for tuning in. Coming up on this Friday edition of Washington Watch, President Biden today speaking at the graduation of the U.S. Naval Academy. Things are changing so rapidly that the next 10 years will be the decisive decade of this century. This past Sunday, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, General Mark Milley, spoke at West Point's graduation and provided a little more context to those changes. And whatever overmatch we, the United States, enjoyed militarily for the last 70 years is closing quickly. And the United States will be, in fact, we already are, challenged in every domain of warfare, in space, in cyber, maritime, air, and of course, land. Well, I think I can tell you why we're losing our edge and being challenged on every front. Our military is engaged in activities totally unrelated to fighting and winning wars, like holding drag queen story time on military bases. Yes, yes, you heard me right. Drag queen story time on military bases. We'll get a read on the state of our military and national security with Congresswoman Vicki Hartzler, a member of the House Armed Services Committee in just a moment. And yesterday, Secretary of Education Miguel Cardona was doing linguistic gymnastics. He tried to avoid answering a direct question from Congressman Jim Banks about the Biden administration's support for biological males competing against women in sports.
2: Do you believe it's fair or not for biological boys to compete against girls in sports? It's a simple question.
3: I believe all students should have access to uh, sport.
2: So you do, you do support biological boys competing against girls in sports? I believe I answered the question.
1: Uh, I don't think you did. We're going to talk about it, though. And while State Farm is assessing the damage done to the nation's largest property and casualty insurance company over their support for grooming organizations like Gender Cool, other corporations, interestingly enough, started quietly disappearing from Gender Cool's website. We'll get the latest on Consumer Research's uh, "Like a Creepy Neighbor" campaign, which aims to get State Farm to publicly, publicly commit to not supporting organizations that seek to indoctrinate children with sexual perversion. So far, they've not done that. They've said they're not going to fund Gender Cool any longer, but they'll find other ways. We'll get an update from Will Hilt a little bit later here on Washington Watch, and a lot of analysis on the police's response to the shooting in Uvalde, Texas. And as we've talked about, there's the usual calls in the wake of this for gun control and more government funding for mental health. But once again, the media and most political leaders are refusing to ask the right questions. But some, like Utah Senator Mike Lee, are zeroing in on the real problem. Why is our culture suddenly producing so many young men who want to murder innocent people? Raises questions like, you know, Could things like fatherlessness, uh, the breakdown of families, isolation from civil society or the glorification of violence be contributing factors? Why is our society producing such angry young men? Why are we not talking about the collapse of the family? Well, we are. Uh, We will. Continue to look at the role these factors have played in tragedies like Ross Elementary. In fact, we're going to look at that today with Dr. Lynn Marie Combe, a professor of family law at Regent University. And finally, if you recall, we were well into the COVID pandemic before attention was given to how the wall-to-wall news coverage and dire predictions of the death tolls actually actually affected our children. Now, our family. My family, we had uh, continued conversations throughout the whole thing. But as a society as a whole, we found that children are still recovering from the emotional trauma of the fear-mongering that was uh, on the media. Now, what did parents and grandparents need to do in wake of tragedies like this one we saw this week in Texas? What do we need to do when it comes to our children? You know... Our children often don't say anything, but their little minds, they're constantly processing, they're listening, they're internalizing what they hear and see. Dr. Jennifer Balance, Director of the Center for Family Studies here at the Family Research Council, an expert in trauma counseling, will join me for that conversation. The website is TonyPerkins.com. Lots of resources there for you. I would encourage you to share that with your friends. They can also watch Washington Watch right there. Our verse for today coming from our Stand on the Word Bible reading plan, comes from 1 Samuel chapter 22, verse 2. And everyone who was in distress, everyone who was in debt, and everyone who was discontented, gathered to him, that being David. So he became captain over them, and there were about 400 men with him, end quote. Like David, Jesus was an outcast, and he welcomes all of those who are not home in this world, because in him they can find a home. In fact, in John chapter 6 verse 37, Jesus said this, all that the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me, I will by no means cast out. To so join us in the stand on the word Bible reading plan, you can find it at frc.org/bible. All right, uh, before we uh, we're waiting to connect with uh, Congressman Vicky Hartzler, I want to get an update on something we've been tracking. Uh, here on Washington Watch, and that is the World Health Assembly that is taking place uh, in Geneva, Switzerland. Uh, joining me now with uh, the latest on this, which is supposed to wrap up either it's wrapping up uh, today, l- later this evening, or tomorrow, is Travis Weber, Vice President of Policy and Government Affairs here at the Family Research Council. Travis, welcome back. Thank you, Tony. So we've been close, closely tracking the 75th uh world health assembly taking place in geneva in particular uh, two issues we're watching one is a push for a treaty which is very problematic but also and probably a greater threat are amendments to regula- regulations that would be in place during a pandemic. What do we know as of uh, right now?
2: Yes, as of now, the, the World Health Assembly debate wrapping up or wrapped up, uh, you know, this uh, late this Friday over in Europe, in Geneva, Switzerland. You know, during this debate over the past week, they've been considering proposed amendments that are pushed, being pushed by the United States, by the Biden administration, that would alter the balance of power between the World Health Organization and member states. Uh, in a problematic way, because you're going to tip the balance of power, give more power and authority the WHO in regards to how it exercises control uh, over member states in in the next pandemic, next emergency, um, requiring states to provide their plans of action within decreased response times, giving the WHO more oversight over what the states plan to do in response to a pandemic. So, obviously, these are troublesome. At least the Biden administration needs to offer a plan or an explanation to the American people for why it feels these are necessary. I don't think we've really heard that. We we feel this is important, therefore, to bring out for the public to understand this is happening. Now, thankfully, Tony, in terms of the debate this week, it does appear that the African number of African member states have objected to the proposed amendments the U.S. has offered. So the African states saying to the United States, these have not uh, been consulted. We've not been consulted enough on these. You're pushing these without consulting us, sort of trying to to ram ram these down for approval through the approval process without consulting. The, The African member states, this is the same issue we have with the American public. They need to be consulted and have an explanation. So it does appear we're on a good track for success in not seeing these adopted. We have to wait for the final verdict on that, however, at this point.
1: Yeah, and I understand there was also opposition from the U.K., um, and I'm also hearing there may be a special uh, meeting called Later, so this is something we're going to have to, uh, to continue uh, to track. Travis Weber, thanks so much for uh, for the update. Thank you. Well, as Memorial Day approaches, the nation is still reeling from the tragic violence in Texas this week with uh, competing but familiar talking points on how best to eliminate such sens- senseless violence you know, the continuous drumbeat from the left, more gun control, uh, even as they overlook the root causes that we are going to have to address. And we're going to talk about that later. But joining me now to, uh, to, to, to touch on this, as well as the state of our military, is Congresswoman Vicki Hartzler. She serves on the House Armed Services Committee, the House Agriculture Committee. She represents Missouri's fourth congressional district. Vicky, welcome back to uh, Washington Watch.
4: Oh, thank you, Tony. It's good to be here.
1: Now I, I know this is a very close uh, to you in personal. Uh, simply, I mean, you're a mother, you're a grandmother, but a former teacher. You've been in the classroom. Um, how does that inform your reaction to the news that we've heard this week out of Texas?
4: Well, it just breaks my heart. I was a school teacher for many years. I am a mother, and just the thought that any child could lose their life, especially at the hands of a terrorist, a shooter like this, is just so so sad. It's tragic. And we've got to do everything we can to protect these kids and make sure this doesn't happen again.
1: And, you know, we hear the same old thing. You know, we have these calls for more gun control, you know, mental health spending. And and look, there's room for that conversation. But, you know, we're failing to to really get at the heart of the matter. And I know having been in the classroom, you see the effects of the collapse of the family.
4: No, it really is. And it it goes back to the family, goes back to the heart issue. It's a spiritual issue. And, uh, you know, we just need to reach out to every young person around us, no matter what their home life and let them know that they are loved, that God has a plan and purpose for them. uh, And that, you know, there's no no reason uh, to be violent towards anyone. But at the same time, we need to harden our schools. And it's just uh, yeah. sickening to me to see the potential that this individual just walked into a, a school, uh, an unlocked door. <clears throat> and so I think there's more that can be done to make sure that uh, these individuals cannot access our children. And uh, I have... I introduced the police officers protecting children, and I've been working on that for the last couple of years, to allow off-duty or retired police officers to the ability to carry a gun on school grounds uh, if the local mm-hmm. school wants them to. And I think there's just some common sense things that we can do like that to add more protection for our kids, while at the same time yeah. reaching out and working with young people and helping them.
1: Yeah, and I think to, in order to express children, let them know that their value and love, we have to allow uh, a conversation of faith back into that uh, space once again. Before we run out of time, uh, Congresswoman Hartzler, I want to move to the issue of our military. You sit on the House Armed Services Committee, the President today speaking uh, before the U.S. Naval Academy, talking about the challenges, and this is a defining decade. But I, I just also today, uh, Senator Marco Rubio uh, from Florida uh, went after the Air Force because the Air Force is having drag queen story time. Uh, on Air Force bases in Germany. I mean, how in the world can this type of stuff help us fight and defend wars, defend our country? <laughs>
4: It can't. That is lun- lun- lunacy. I, I cannot even believe this is taking place when we have so many serious national security issues right now facing us. We look at what's going on in Russia. We look at the threat from China, Kim Jong un, just sending off more missiles out of North Korea and Iran, very close to nuclear capability. And at the same time, we have the Air Force doing this in, uh, in, over in Germany. It just shows the wrong priorities of this administration, and we need to get back to the mission of the uh, military, and that is to fight and win wars or deter wars. Uh, And that has started to be eroded, starting with under uh, President Obama, and now under President Biden, it is continuing, and we have to reverse course, or we're going to be in serious trouble.
1: Yeah, in, in fact, that's what General Milley says. He doesn't say we need to reverse course, but he does say we're going to be in trouble. We're losing our edge, and I think this is why. Congresswoman Vicki Hartzler, always great to talk with you. Thanks so much for, uh, for joining us on this Friday afternoon.
4: You bet. Thank you, Tony.
1: All right, a great warrior for faith, family, and freedom on Capitol Hill. All right, coming up, State Farm continues to receive blowback for their efforts to supply transgender books to five-year-olds. Will other companies learn any lessons from this? There's evidence to suggest that maybe so. At least they're hiding. We're going to talk about this after the break, so don't go away. And by the way, thank you for all those who have responded with the petition to State Farm. You're making a difference. All right, we're coming back with more after this.
5: Research Council on an exciting two-year journey through the Bible. FRC's Stand on the Word Bible Reading Plan helps you to dive deeper into the nature of God and how His Word speaks into the cultural issues of the day. God has given us the Bible as a way to understand the world. By studying the Bible, we can see God's plan unfold throughout the past and be encouraged by how the truth of Scripture is still relevant in our current day and will be into the future. The Stand on the Word reading plan engagingly and thoughtfully takes you through the daily scripture to help you stay grounded in God's truth. You can start this reading plan with Family Research Council today. When you sign up, we'll text you every Sunday with daily passages and questions that help prepare you for conversations with your family and friends. Visit frc.org Bible to begin this journey through the Bible today.
6: Although most Americans believe they have a biblical worldview, studies show that most of our friends and neighbors, including those who attend church, don't think about the day's moral and cultural issues through a biblical lens. That is why Family Research Council's Center for Biblical Worldview was created. The center serves to help Christians understand the importance of Scripture, why it must be authoritative, and how it can equip believers to advance and defend the faith in the workplace, in schools, in their communities, and in the public square. The experts at FRC Center for Biblical Worldview provide resources to help prepare believers to give a scriptural answer to our culture's most pressing questions. Access these free resources at frc.org worldview. See the center's latest blogs, op-eds and publications by signing up for the newsletter at frc.org worldview email.
0: want to be able to stay up to date on conservative news? Are you looking for Christian resources to help you stay politically engaged? Then download Family Research Council's Stand Firm app. With all of our content available at your fingertips, you will conveniently be able to stay up to date throughout your busy day. The Stand Firm app will give you access to a variety of resources, such as our most recent radio programs, social media posts, and publications.
1: Well, happy Friday. Thanks so much for tuning in. The website is TonyPerkins.com. Well, the corporate bungling by State Farm Insurance Agency as they push for transgender books to get into the hands of school children as young as five years old, and then they partially walked it back, thanks to uh, the outcry from viewers of this program and other places, is a story that we've been tracking this week here on Washington Watch. Now, The question is, are other corporations learning a lesson from uh, State Farm? Well, within hours of State Farm dropping its affiliation with this transgender rights lobby, gender cool, nine other companies, as well as the Department of Agriculture, were removed from the group's website. Now, as we saw earlier this year with Disney, corporations suffer, and as they should, quite frankly, when they forget their mission and who their main customers are. Joining me now to, uh, to give us an update on this is Will Hild. He's the Executive Director of Consumers Research, who first exposed the State Farm story. Will, welcome back to Washington Watch.
3: Thanks for having me. All
1: right, Will, what can you tell us uh, on an, as uh, an update on what's happening?
3: Certainly. Well, as you noted, uh, there were a number of other corporations that uh, were or are sponsors of the Gender Cool Project, uh, and within hours of State Farm coming out saying they were backing down uh, and, and getting away from it, uh, a number of them have have moved away as well. Companies like General Mills, NBC Universal. Uh, unfortunately, I'm sorry to report the U, uh, USDA was also a sponsor of this company uh, organization, and we're looking into that, figuring out what would have happened there that taxpayer funds would have gone to an organization like that.
1: All right, so uh, as we talked about last time, State Farm kind of uh, partially walking back this um, effort. They're, they're saying, you know, we're not going to give money to Gender Cool any longer. But in the, the, the one statement that I have seen, and, and this one, I'm asking you, if there's an updated statement, they said they were going to find other ways and other organizations to support. So they still haven't ruled out partnering with organizations that want to groom children Uh, for this perverse sexual activity.
3: Well, and what's really distressing is in their initial statement, backing down uh, internally, all they said was that they would no longer be pushing for these materials to be in schools. They would still try to have them, you know, interact with children in in other ways. They still, they weren't saying that these conversations shouldn't be had with five-year-olds or that they shouldn't, uh, gender cool, shouldn't be pushing these books. They just thought that schools were not the right place which is very distressing. It suggests that they haven't learned their lesson. And the other thing that suggests that they haven't learned their lesson is they aren't doing anything. They have not lifted a finger to stop the ongoing damage that their actions could be causing right now. As I noted in my previous appearance on your show, State Farm has not said that they are going to try to locate all the books that were donated and get them out of the hands of children notably they were donating these to community centers to libraries and of course most atrociously to schools and they haven't even come clean on how many books the donated they they in one of their statements they highlighted that only forty thousand dollars went to this project well at the cost of the gender cool projects books that's thousands of books that could have been donated to schools so the idea that $40,000 is some small sum of money, it's not a small sum of money if they've exposed your child to to right. this uh, transgender and training propaganda.
1: Now, Will, I know personally uh, that there are many State Farm agents who are upset about this because I've heard from them. Uh, And and in fact, they 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 were shocked by this and they're supportive of people speaking out on this. But they feel like many of them feel like their hands are tied because this was a decision that came from corporate. Do you think the State Farm corporate offices are just hoping this thing will blow over and then they'll just uh, pick back up where they left off?
3: I think that's exactly what's happening. I think they think that, that the American consumer is stupid. Uh, that they will have a short attention span and a short memory and forget that State Farm uh, tried to target children and, and not pay that much attention to the actual statements that are being made by State Farm and the complete lack of action. Um, and I think much better of the American consumer. We're going to be staying on this issue. This is not the end of this. And we're going to be going after State Farm until they, they try to clean up the damage that they've done. Um, And we hope that State Farm agents would would put the pressure on as well, State Farm agents that are upset by this. Please let corporate know that consumers are demanding action. They are demanding an audit of all the programs that are targeting children that State Farm is currently employed in. I want to note here, just as a quick aside, their argument was that top execs were unaware that this program – was being partnered with the State Farm, that State Farm was targeting children. That's that's not much of a defense. And it suggests that there might be other programs that State Farm is paying for that are also damaging children. So we, we need an audit of everything State Farm's done from an external party because internally they have lied and obfuscated a number of times. We need to find out all of the places where those books were donated and State Farm should try to retrieve those materials. And both the audit and the list need to be made public so that uh, people can, uh, customers can understand what was done in their name and parents can be sure that their kids were not exposed to these materials or not currently being exposed to these materials.
1: Yeah. So I know you've laid those three uh, demands out there. Have you heard from State Farm from their corporate office?
3: No, we have not heard a response to, to these demands. And it's, it, it, again, it's incredibly disappointing. They, they, think that they have somehow remedied this by simply saying that they won't do the most egregious thing again, but that's that's not cleanup. This would be like if BP had, you know, after the oil spill had just said whoops sorry and just left the Gulf Coast. Uh, That's not a cleanup. There are still toxic Books in these schools that State Farm has donated. There's no even understanding of how many or where they are. Parents may not even know if their kids are being exposed to this. Right. So it, it's really egregious, and it just speaks to a a level of corporate ir- irresponsibility that's hard to even put into words.
1: Well, well, uh, I, I promise you this: as long as you stay on it, we're there too. So uh, we'll we'll c- continue you. to check in with you as we get uh, more developments in this. Thanks so much for uh, joining us today.
3: Absolutely, well, thank you for having me.
1: And, folks, I want to thank you. The uh, Thousands of you have responded with the petition that we have to State Farm, and I just want to be very clear, this is not resolved. Now, I know there's been some statements. It's been a, a, a very, uh, well, as I said, it's partial, a partial walk back. They, they have not committed, number one, to stop this type of material being put into the hands of children. Just, they just said they wouldn't support gender cool any longer. So where else are they doing this? They need to come clean, as Will said. Anyway, you can sign our petition, frcaction.org slash state farm, or go to Tony Perkins and follow the links over. It's making a difference, so don't let up. Coming up, we'll discuss the rising tide of juvenile violence and what's behind it. Don't go away. We're back after this.
6: Most of us have at least one friend or family member who is pro-choice, or have engaged with someone who doesn't share our pro-life views. As Christians, we are called to defend the weak and to speak truth in love. When we advocate for the unborn, we must do so in a way that is both honest and loving. At Family Research Council, we recognize the inherent dignity of every human life, from conception until natural death. The value of human life is not conditional upon its usefulness to others or an arbitrary evaluation of a person's quality of life. Rather, the value of human life is unconditional because God, the author of life, has created all humans in his image. FRC's Center for Human Dignity exists to give a voice to the voiceless by helping others speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. Access our free resources at frc.org life so that you can address abortion, human trafficking, pornography,
7: and more. Attention, university students. Do you feel called to promote faith, family, and freedom in public policy and the culture? Are you hoping to grow in Christian leadership? Then join Family Research Council for an unforgettable internship. FRC's 12 to 15-week internship program is designed to educate university students who are passionate about public service and who believe that a biblical worldview is necessary for government to serve the people and for culture to thrive. As an intern, you work alongside FRC experts who will invest in your personal and professional development as you prepare to make a kingdom impact in the world. This paid internship offers free housing in D.C., allowing you to experience community with other faithful conservatives in the nation's capital. For more information and to apply, visit frc.org slash internships. That's frc.org slash internships.
1: Welcome back to this Friday edition of Washington Watch. So good to have you with us. Please check out the website, TonyPerkins.com. Free, free, feel free. I'll get it out. To email me, Tony at TonyPerkins.com. All right. You know, as I've been talking about, you get the same old talking points, gun control, mental health spending. Very few political leaders have the courage to ask the real questions. Now, uh, there are some. Um... Dan Patrick, Lieutenant Governor of Texas, he's addressing the moral issue, the moral breakdown. But also this week in Washington, Senator Mike Lee, uh, who is a member of the Senate Judiciary Committee, he asked this question why, why is our culture suddenly producing so many young men who want to murder innocent people? It raises questions like, you know, could things like fatherlessness, uh, the breakdown of families, isolation from civil society, or the glorification of violence? <clears throat> be contributing factors. Well, joining me now to talk about this is Lynn, Dr. Lynn Marie Combe, professor of family law at Regent University School of Law, who has researched and studied this very issue. Dr. Combe, welcome to Washington Watch.
8: Thank you for having me, Tony. I'm honored to be here.
1: Now, you have extensive research studying events, statistics, legislation, and case law into juvenile violence. Now, from your studies, what have you learned about the state of the family and how this contributes to juvenile violence?
8: You're you're absolutely right. The state of the family makes a huge difference. There are common denominators for all of these boys that make these decisions to go violent, and I have a list of five of them that came from my research I thought I'd go through. The first one is that there's very little parental involvement parents are not around they don't know who's the kid is hanging out with who his friends are they're just not involved in the child's life they're almost afraid of their own child the second thing i notice is that there's some kind of stress on the child the child is going through some kind of stress whether it's you know some kind of bullying or some other kind of stress and then there's a whole lot of time alone the kid spend so much time alone um, and that leaves all kinds of time to do things that kind of increase this radicalization toward violence that you sort of mentioned at the beginning. The big thing that I noticed with every, every violent child is that there's loss of a sense of truth, that the, they don't really know what's, what's right and what's wrong. And the most alarming thing is that they have this incredible lack of remorse, a lack of remorse of what's happening and what they're doing and a lack of, um, you know, just an unprecedented doesn't matter type of thing. Um, and that's really, I think what shocks the conscience the most.
1: Well, I I mean, you point to, I mean, almost all those issues have a connection to the main questions we ask in life that come from number one, our faith, and, and the the big questions, why are we here? Um, it also in, in involves the family. I mean, I, I think about this when you, you know, this um, lack of engagement from family, this lack of uh, direction and, and input. You know, in, in Ephesians, Paul tells, uh, warns fathers, he says, fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and the admonition of the Lord. Now, often that's interpreted that, you know, don't be too harsh with them. But our children are growing up in wrath because the fathers are not engaged with them and are not there present in their lives helping them through this transition into adulthood.
8: That is absolutely true. Without a strong father figure or someone that can step in, even if dad's not available, someone that can step in. And that's why the law tries to encourage fathers, but it's up to the father and the mother of the kind of involvement they have with the child. Um, You're absolutely true. I've written a lot about the tragic... Things that happen when dad's not involved. And most of these kids don't have an involved dad. Even if there's a different no. round, the dad is not out playing catch with them, he's not right. you know, taking them to it's ball in, it,
1: Yeah, it's not just being physically present, it is being emotionally involved and engaged in the, in the life of a child. Now, uh, Dr. Coleman, I want to ask you from your research. I mean, look, the law is a tutor, okay? So we know the law has a place and a role. Um, What new laws may make a difference? I mean, are there things that can be done that can address this issue? Granted, I know the foundation is in the family and is in return to a moral foundation, but are there laws that we can entertain?
8: Well, you know, um, the biggest thing that I'm thinking about is parents right now feel powerless in schools. They feel like they can't um, do anything to, I mean, those parents outside that school felt powerless in a huge way. And all, all this past year, I would say, um, a lot of parents have felt powerless about what their kids are being taught. <clears throat> so there is a law that has been part of our nation's history and tradition for over 100 years. that says parents have the right to direct the upbringing of their children. But because they've yes. been pushed aside, they've kind of abrogated that and really become apathetic about it. So I think maybe this... I hate to say this, but there needs to be a revival of parental parental rights, parental involvement. There's been such an assault on parental rights that parents feel, um, you know, impotent that they can't do anything to protect their kids. I listened to the interview of the mom of the shooter, and she was almost afraid of her son, almost afraid yeah. of, you know, what can I do? I can't do anything. I'm a mom. We gotta get over that. We gotta get over that.
1: You are absolutely right. You are absolutely. Right. We have. We we have emasculated parents we've taken away their power and their authority because they're afraid because the government's crowding them out uh, you were so so spot oh, on if I Dr. Do that, come. They might
8: call child protective services on me I exactly
1: and I've and I've seen that happen as a former lawmaker and a, as a police officer I've seen that look uh, dr. come we're out of time but I, I can tell you this we're gonna want to talk about this a lot more and so I look forward to having you back on uh, real soon
8: keep up the good work Tony thank you
1: thank you Yes, we are going to talk about this much, much more. Well, coming up, we're going to talk about how do we deal with our children in the midst of this type of trauma? We we can't overlook the fact that they're listening, they're hearing, and they're internalizing. That's next.
7: Religious liberty is the freedom to hold religious beliefs of one's own choosing and to live in accordance with those beliefs. It is an inherent human right. Therefore, Family Research Council's Center for Religious Liberty strives to advance religious liberty for all people of all faiths. Advocates for strong religious liberty protections are often labeled bigots. But for those familiar with the history of religious liberty in the United States, until recently it was embraced by a majority of Americans. In fact, religious liberty has historically had bipartisan support. Today, efforts to restrict this freedom have become increasingly common. Therefore, Christians need to articulate with greater clarity why we support religious liberty and why all people are served when religious liberty thrives. Access the Center for Religious Liberty's free resources to learn more at frc.org religious-liberty.
0: In today's culture, there are few examples of godly manhood. Men, husbands, and fathers need a model of leadership, strength, courage, and sacrificial love that they can look to. But where can they find it? Try our Stand Courageous Men's Ministry. We seek to help men develop a strong, biblical character, cultivate positive habits, build and rebuild relationships, and make commitments that will move men closer to God's good purpose and design. Men who will stand courageous. We invite you to join us at a Stand Courageous Men's Conference to discuss critical aspects of masculinity. These conferences are led by men who struggle with the same issues you do and will invest in unpacking our role as a defender, provider, instructor, and battle buddy so that we can have the generational influence as a chaplain inside and outside the home. Learn more and find a Stand Courageous event near you at StandCourageous.com.
5: At Family Research Council, we want to be able to keep you informed on our latest resources and events. Due to the growing threat of text censorship of conservatives and Christians, we've created a text subscription platform so that we can stay connected. So if we get canceled, you can continue to receive updates on faith, family, and freedom. How? Just text STAND to 67742 to sign up for our text alerts, and you will get FRC's content straight to your phone. Again, just text STAND to 67742, and you will get special alerts on the biggest stories of the day. You can stay informed with just a simple text. We want you to be able to stay connected with like-minded community and to always have access to our content. Stay connected and informed. Just text STAND to 67742.
1: Welcome back to Washington Watch. Good to have you with us on this uh, Friday afternoon, as we were just talking about with Dr. Combe. Um, you know, it, it really, it, it does come back to the family, comes back to faith. And, you know, one of the things she mentioned, just to kind of summarize the five uh, aspects she was talking about, is, you know, kids have a lot of time alone. And that's a big problem. You have kids that are spending too much time on the computer, too much time on social media. And we're seeing this not just in violence like school shootings and stuff like that, but we're seeing in, in other social pathologies that are taking place as a result of this time alone. And, of course, that was only uh, worsened through the pandemic when we isolated children. So you really, as a parent, let me just empower you with some of these things. You know, it is your child. God gave you the child. Now, I don't really care what the government says. Now, I, I will tell you, it's time that we start... Raising up more mama bears who will stand between their children and the government, and that goes for fathers. Fathers should be f- at the tip of the spear. All right? not, I say mama bears because moms are uh, very protective, but it's time fathers stand in the gap for their children and say, "You know what? The government's not going to tell me how to raise my children." You know, if the government was doing such a good job, we wouldn't be having these mass shootings. We wouldn't be having all of these pathologies. And and I actually spoke about this this last Sunday as I was preaching on this, comparing. Uh, a number of statistics in 1963 to today. And, and one of them is uh, just the drug overdoses. In 1963, we had about a hundred, and I'm gonna be maybe a couple, of all, a couple numbers off, but it was like 186 deaths related to drug overdoses in the entire year, the entire year. Today, the average is about 196 a day in America. And I could go on with a whole list. So if the government was doing such a good job with their faithless policies, then we wouldn't be in this mess. So it's time we assert ourselves and the role that God has given us as parents. And so you need to be monitoring what your children are doing in their rooms. In fact, we always had a policy, no computers in your room. No televisions, no computers in your room. And, And then there's the stress issue. Now, part of, and I'm going to talk about this. I'm going to hold that one because I'm going to talk about this with our next guest. Um, but the other issue, no sense of right and wrong. This goes back to the very heart of the morality that we've pushed out of our society. That, you know, we cannot have God in schools. We cannot have the Ten Commandments in the schools. There's the, the, you define right for yourself and I'll define right for me. This postmodern world in which we live. That's, that's what this is producing. And this lack of remorse, again, if you're here by chance because you're the product of evolution, then what difference does it make? You see, we are getting what we have sown. And I'm saying this to say this, is that it is time as Christians in this country who know the truth and who have been set free by the truth to proclaim that truth and no longer apologize or be silent or to shrink back into the shadows of society because we're afraid someone is going to criticize or someone's going to mock us because guess what children are dying as a result we have been silent and we have allowed the government to crowd out the family to crowd out the church and look at the results this is this result is not because we have people children going to sunday school this result is not because we have In our schools, because uh, every day is being opened with a prayer, that's been kicked out. We have this because the godless agenda of the left has dominated in our schools. This long march through the institutions is almost complete. And this is the tragic result. It's time we speak up. Now, I want to talk about, as moms and dads, grandparents, when these events occur, you have children who may not be saying anything, they're, but they're watching and they're listening. And this is wall to wall. I mean, this and this, the worst thing you can do is have the, the television on cable news 24-7. And I go into so many, we don't have cable, right? We don't have it. I don't have television. Um, because I don't need to hear what's bad. I know it's bad. But some people, this is going on and on and on and on and on and on, and kids are watching it and they're processing this and they're internalizing it and it's increasing their stress, it's increasing their sense of isolation. And and so we're not having conversations with them unless we're being intentional about it. And what happens? Well, it begins this cascading effect. So what do we need to do? Well, joining me now to to talk about this uh, is someone who has extensive experience in Crisis counseling, and she is uh, here at the Family Research Council. She is our director for the Center of Family Studies, Dr. Jennifer Valens. Uh, Jennifer, welcome back to the uh, to the program.
9: Thanks for having me, Tony.
1: All right, uh, with your background as a trauma counselor, l- l- let me just—I I know the, the situation there in Uvalde, Texas, is one thing, but this is affecting children all across America and families all across America. What should we be looking for, and how should we be having conversations?
9: Yeah, you're right. This is um, something that our society is experiencing across the board right now. I think COVID, especially the beginning of COVID, uh, really opened the door to a pervasive sense of trauma. I'm not saying that it met criteria necessarily for PTSD, but our our culture right now has gone through a lot of trauma, and so. Whether—as you know, Tony, I um, also did research with the families of 9-11, and I've worked um, with families from Virginia Tech and other uh, university school shootings. And what you find, whether it's in the interpersonal uh, trauma world or if it's one of these communal trauma world, um, a lot of the experiences and reactions are the same. Um, And so there are some things that we can um, look for. That regardless of what your your family members dealing with the kind of trauma they're dealing with, these some of these reactions are going to be the same. And you already mentioned um, one of the things that we learned from nine eleven is that we don't want to just keep the television going. We don't want to keep these scenes, um, these traumatic scenes, and um, the grief reactions going. Um, if you're not equipped to handle that. Uh, it's it's there's no benefit because you're exposing yourself to someone's emotional reactions And it's just going to produce a sense of helplessness in your response And it's not going to be productive for your children either to see that imagery going on and we we know that um, That people can actually mimic traumatic responses like being there in the first hand from, right. from media exposure
1: Right. And, and, and as you said, it's, it's, it's like in a loop. It's constant, it's constant. And, and, and to survive this, whether you're close to it or you're removed from it, I mean, as a society, we are, we're all there. We're all experiencing um, because I think people are saying enough is enough. I mean, every parent who's had children is should be, and, and I think are, empathizing with these parents in Uvalde, Texas. But you have to have, number one, I think, coping skills. You've got to be able to cope with this when you're exposed to it. And unfortunately, we live in a society where especially younger people, younger ch- and children, are not being taught coping skills. So, number one, they've got one strike against them. They don't really have, you know, we talk about snowflakes. They can't cope. Then you, you have to have some kind of healthy support. And if you don't have the family structure there, to, to have these conversations where you can get a healthy perspective, maybe a, a broader perspective, and you know, because people say, how how could God allow something like this to happen? And and I think these are, these are important conversations that that informed adults need to be having with their children.
9: Yeah, we need to be talking to our children and opening the lines of communication, um, giving them opportunity to ask questions um, and, and even questions about faith, um, to not be afraid of that. God's not afraid of those questions, so neither should we. And, um, and so I think it's really important to let them ask those questions um, that, that they don't understand what's happening, um, and they may not even understand your emotions. And that's okay with, within limits to share your own experiences that you're distressed as well. Um, you certainly don't want to make the topic about um, your own experiences. But I think um, I'll say this, that one of the things that's very common in trauma is that it's very uncontrollable. That's the very nature of a traumatic event. So what do we tend to look for when something's uncontrollable? We look for control. And um, and we can try to live in the past to predict the future. So. One of the things that we don't want to do is live from that place where we're we're living out and anticipating the next trauma. So it's important as we're talking to our children, we open up those lines of communication that that we're saying, you know, yes, this was a dangerous situation, but you are safe now. And right now, mm-hmm. like, and just to begin to unpack that a bit, like you're safe. You're safe on your street, or you know, whatever the case may be. You look for those points where you are safe, and uh, right. and then Tony, I think it's also important that as we're having these discussions with our kids, that we don't do it without God. For those of us who who have a faith in God, who know Jesus, um, that we invite Jesus into that process. Um, because he is the I am. And like I said, trauma wants to bring us out of the present and into the past or, or anticipating something bad in the future. But God is the one who's present. And so when we invite him into our process, um, he's also the God of all hope. So we can also kind of gauge our level of, of how much God is involved in our process by our measure of hope as well.
1: Uh, Dr. Bowles, I want to go back to something you, you you said about you know helping our kids feel safe, mm-hmm. because as you and I have talked about this before in another context, that the the mind the brain is developing, and and children see things a lot differently than adults because they're in their twenties before their their brain is fully developed, and a part of that is, is children tend tend to see things more literal. They they cannot process those other elements, and so while we see this as a far removed of event that um, you know that d- doesn't affect us here. It-, it affects children a different way
9: Yeah, that's right and depending on the age of the child. They may not have the same verbal skills that w- we have um a- And uh, they may Experience the trauma more at a physiological level so you may hear the child say things like you know I'm having stomach aches or um headaches or or other pain in their body um, they may express it in the nighttime. They may have more nightmares. Um, you know, there, there are other ways that children tend to express that. And if you're not paying attention, you can miss that because they're not being as verbal as what we're used to as adults. Um, so it's important to just kind of pay attention to, like, if there have been relationship changes, maybe, maybe some strains on a particular relationship. Um, or have their habits changed, or maybe they're talking about the event um, kind of incessantly. So those are, those are keys for us to look at and think, okay, maybe we need to have some more conversations about this um, and, you know, kind of assess where we need to proceed from there.
1: So those are some of the warning signs that parents should uh, be looking for if their child is, uh, you know, kind of processing this and, and beginning to display stress over this incident.
9: That's right. And and they may not be directly involved, but, um, you know, we have to also consider the fact that all schools are probably on high alert right now. Um, and there's a there's a sense in the air. I mean, we feel it. Um, you know, when, when the events happened in New York uh, about a month ago when there was a violent attack on the subway, you know, if you ride the metro, you're a little bit um, more hypervigilant than perhaps you were before. So, you know, think from the child's perspective, even if they're not articulating it, they're, they're feeling um, the stress and the, the apprehension about school and, and the possible threat.
1: Yeah, the main thing is is, as you said earlier, the keeping of the lines of communication over talking through these things. Not, uh, you said, not not rehearsing it over and over and and spending too much time on it, but but looking for and having conversations and and talk about this because this is a tragic event. This is this shakes our world. I mean, when you think about this, we, when you have kids in an elementary school, and this is not just an isolated incident. We're seeing this far too often. And, you know, I think kids look to parents and say, who's going to solve this? And and I think we need to talk to our kids about what the solutions are as well, that if we as a society don't return to an understanding of who God is and who we are as his creation, and we don't return to a boundary of right and wrong, that unfortunately we're going to continue to see this. And I do think that that's a part of helping our kids process what's important, that know that if we keep doing the same thing you need to you need to be ready because we're probably going to get the same results
9: yeah, i i think that's right um, <clears throat> you know there's a there's a larger picture at play with these with these shootings and uh, i believe your last guest alluded to a, a lot of those issues we are in the midst of a mental health crisis and um, but it's also a crisis of faith and a crisis of, of relationship or what, in, in my field, yeah. we call it attachment. And if those things aren't addressed, those root causes aren't addressed, um, we will continue to get the same thing. Yeah,
1: yeah. I, I think and there's, there's, other, there's ev- other evidence, I think, in our society of this, the increase in homelessness the detachment with family, all of this. Dr. Jennifer Bowen, it's always great to talk. You thanks so much for uh, joining us on this Friday afternoon.
9: Thanks for having me, Tony.
1: All right. And folks, thank you for joining us as well. And I conti- encourage you to continue to pray for those in Texas, but pray for our country. Until next time, I leave you with the encouraging words of the Apostle Paul, found in Ephesians 6, where he says, when you've done everything you can do, when you've prayed, when you've prepared, and when you've taken your stand,